would open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, and we are going to begin our study there, going through the book of Hebrews. At the end of the service, y'all, after we prayed and, uh, and had our time at the altar, I would just want to talk to you just very briefly about the property and, and uh, what's going on with that as well for those that can stick around for just a few minutes. But y'all, we finished up chapter 3 last week, and we took two weeks on that chapter, and especially in the second half of that chapter, it was a warning. It was an admonition using Israel uh, in the wilderness and their failure to enter into the promised land, and it's going to carry on over into this chapter. They failed to enter in because of what? Unbelief. I mean, you can slice and dice it any way you want. They murmured, they complained, they wanted to go back to Egypt. All the different things that uh, that they did, and those are all sinful things they did, but the Bible makes it clear that's all a result, and their failure to enter in was because of unbelief. And so, let's just go straight from that, verse chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. If this was just a story about a historic people, that would be one thing. It is a story about historic people, but it's not pointless to us today, all right, or to any people of any day, because he says right here in chapter 4, verse 1, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us, entering into his rest, that's the Lord's rest, any of you should seem to come short, and I'm going to stop right there for just a moment, he says, let us therefore fear, again, this is not just uh, a story about historical people of Israel. And we can look back and say, boy, those, those Israelites sure were pitiful, you know. God was so good to them and they failed to enter in. They didn't trust Him. And all that's true. But it's not anything uncommon for people of God not to trust God. Alright? And that's why we're at, at, at encouraging one another. That's why we stay in the Word. That's why we provoke one or to, another to love and good works. And he's saying that lest there be in any of you, okay, any of you, we've been uh, left a promise and we fail to enter in. The promise is from God. And we don't want unbelief as the Israelites in any part of our life. But we certainly don't want it to, that we should come short of what God has promised for us, a rest, an abode, or a rest for us that he has promised for the people of God. And we're going to get into that more in this, you'll see that word rest, it's kind of unusual. You don't just see it all through the Bible, but we saw it. Uh, we see it here in this chapter, and we're going to see it in some of the uh, subsequent chapters as well. And the rest of God is mentioned a lot of time. There's actually a few def different definitions. Basically, there's this. There's the the rest, which is just basically like we would think of rest, a place of rest, and 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 just kind of ceasing from your labors. And there's also one in verse 9 we're going to get to where rest is defined a little bit different. It's more of a permanent place of rest, like a Sabbath rest. It's like where you're really done. You know what I mean? And, and both are important and both are of God and both. He wants us to enter into both of them. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight and uh, as we go. But we don't want to miss it. And we don't we miss it because of of not continuing the way we started. We started in faith, and we need to continue in faith. We started trusting in God to be our Lord and Savior and to give us the gift of eternal life. We need to finish out that way. 
that faith ought to grow. It ought to grow more and more. And that's everything that, uh, everything in the Bible is provoking us to that and enabling us to that. And so let's look at verse 2. For unto us, this is, I love this verse right here. Unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. And you're thinking about, okay, I can understand New Testament believers, the gospel was preached to us, right? Christ has come. All the long-awaited prophecies are fulfilled in this one man, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. He comes and, and, and he, he dies on the cross and he rises the dead, from the dead. He ascends to heaven. And, and so we have the gospel. But it says, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. This just stresses over and over. One of our themes, again, for the book of Hebrews is faith. You can't miss it. It's all through. And so um, it kind of climaxes there in chapter 11 when it starts giving the hall of fame of faith. But how was the gospel preached to them? We understand how it was preached to us. Okay, somebody at some point in your life, maybe your mom and dad, but somebody brought you the gospel. And they told you about Jesus. Honey, Jesus loves you. You know, he's God's son. He died on the cross for your sins. But how was it preached unto them? The Bible was preached to Abraham when he lived 430 years before the law, roughly. Give or take a year or two. 430 years before the law was ever given. And, and many years before Christ came, the gospel was preached. Keep your spot Marked in Hebrews 4 and turn to Galatians chapter 3. The Bible's really wonderful, isn't it? The way it is built on itself. We're not willing to make things up or pull it out of, out of the air. If we're asked, how was the gospel preached to them? You know, with some studying and people that know the Bible a lot better than me, and I can take use of their their studies that they've made in their books and it refers me to this verse in Galatians 3 8 and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith that's us the heathen mm -hmm. preached before before the gospel unto Abraham mm -hmm. saying in thee shall all nations be blessed so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham that's a good scripture this is how we build doctrine this is how we understand the Bible Scripture upon Scripture. We don't have to go to outside sources. Those are wonderful and can be helpful, but they're not necessary. Right. If it's something God wants us to know, His own Word is going to explain it to us. And if it's something that's a mystery to us, or maybe we have a hard time grasping it, we can go to Him in prayer. He may give us some insight into something that we didn't know. He may not. He may show us when we get to heaven. And it, maybe it won't matter by that time. But... The Bible interprets itself. And I always think that the, the times that I had um, with Dave Hunt ministering in our church is one of those things that sticks with you in your life. And the books I've read by Dave Hunt, and meeting him and going to lunch with him and hearing him preach and teach and, and just spending the little time that I did on a couple of occasions when he came to our church, a lot of his life and the things he would say, just his overall excitement about the Bible. He would stop in the middle and say, this word is awesome. This is amazing. I love this Bible. And he was not faking or putting on. He'd stop his sermon and get all excited about the word of God. And uh, anyway, he would just go on and on about it. Okay, so the word, the word was preached to us. 
It was preached to Abraham 430 years before the law. It was preached to Israel under the law. I want you to look at Romans chapter 10, verse 18. Romans 10, verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words into the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are not people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But anyway, Isaiah's... And he gives a prophecy about Isaiah there. But the point is here that they did know. They had heard. They didn't have the complete picture, y'all, like we do. We have it as a historical record. We have four Gospels that tell us in detail about everything about Jesus. They had enough to know and to believe. Don't forget that Jesus on the road to Emmaus, the resurrection morning, took two of his disciples walking with them all day long. And he says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. And beginning with Moses and the law and the prophets, he expounded unto them all the things concerning himself. So the gospel was preached to them. Moses knew. Abraham knew 430 years before Moses. They knew. The men of Enoch knew. You understand what I'm saying? They knew. The people of God knew that there was a Savior coming. It was spoken of in Genesis chapter 3. With Adam and Eve, the first sin and the first sinners. Our, our parents. Right then when the first sin came, and the first sinners and the first consequence of sin, the promise of a Redeemer is given. That God Himself was going to, you know, provide. It's in, in Genesis chapter 3. The seed of the woman. And she's going to crush the serpent under His heel. And then you put those pieces of the puzzle together. The promise was made there. Is that the whole picture that we have? No, it's not at all. But it was a promise from God to redeem men that the serpent and his effect on men and his curse upon men and sin's effect was going to be dealt with one day permanently and God was going to provide that Savior. So the gospel was preached to them. You go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. The word preached did not profit them. Well, the word preached is preached today and doesn't profit a lot of people. There might have been years in your life where you resisted resisted the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? There might have been, I don't know, who, you know, when everybody got saved. You got saved young and, and that's a blessing. Like, you know, look at the little children here and, and maybe as soon as they get it, as soon as they understand that they're a sinner, and mom and daddy talk to them about Jesus, they're ready to get born again. I think that's awesome. I think that's how it should be. But there's a lot of times where people, maybe all their life, uh, don't want to hear, don't want to know, not interested, too busy, I'm enjoying my sin, don't believe that, that's fine for you and not for me. They go through a long period of their life. I talked about uh, Reggie's mom, who got saved so late in life, or late 90s, you know, gives after all her life hearing about it, thinking she was a good person and resistant. So we can see that the gospel in itself, just by itself, can be preached to no avail. It can be preached. Look at Noah, you know, a preacher of righteousness. Enoch, the Bible says in the New Testament, was a preacher of righteousness. We don't read in the Old Testament about Enoch being a preacher, but he was. And Noah was a preacher. And 
We don't read of any converts of Noah because after 120 years of building the ark, it was Noah and his family that got on. He got his family on, praise God. You know, so the gospel was being preached. The good news, salvation, get on this ark, you'll be spared. God's going to judge the world. And nobody listened. You can say it right now to people, God's going to judge the world, not with a flood. He's going to bring a judgment upon this earth. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. He can save you right now. You don't have to face that. And you don't have to spend eternity separated from Him. The weight and the guilt of your sin can be removed. And you enter into this awesome personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. And they can blow it off. Because God gives us a free will. We're not predestined. You know what I'm saying? In that sense, as far as God picking and choosing, you're created to be saved, you're created to be damned. And so we say that the gospel didn't profit these people. Why? Here we go with faith again. It wasn't mixed. That word simply means blended together. You take the gospel and you got to blend it together with faith. Where? In them that hear it. It's got to be mixed with faith. Even the sermon tonight after you're saved. Whatever's being preached or taught tonight from God's word. If it's going to benefit me or you, I have to take the word of God that's being spoken the gospel certainly for salvation and everything after that. I have to take it with faith for it to profit me. It didn't profit these people. Who did it profit it? Joshua, Caleb, and Moses. And that's all that we see. Moses died up on the mount overlooking the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, uh, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and all the others dying off, they got to go into the promised land and... Uh, it has to be with faith. Y'all, I'll say this, man, salvation is of the Lord. Isn't that what the Bible says? It's, it's a free gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift has no strings attached. But even a gift, somebody could, a UPS guy could ring your doorbell and bring your Christmas present that you've been waiting for. And you're like, oh boy, and it's at the door. You still have to go pick it up. That's right. You know what I mean? You, it could sit out there for the next 20 years and rot and fall apart. And you know what I mean? And, and the weather could beat on somebody, steal it. We still have to take hold of it. Amen. Lay hold on eternal life. We do that by faith. It's not a physical grasping. It's a laying hold by faith. I believe this. I believe it myself. My friend does it. My spouse doesn't, whatever. I believe it. And I believe it. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And we're talking about, when we sung about when you and I embrace surrender. Surrendering to the Lord. That is by faith. That's the prodigal son coming to himself and saying, I know what I need to do. Not coming to himself and staying in the pig pen. Coming to himself, realizing, being the light bulb goes on. And by faith, he repents. And he brings forth fruit of repentance and he goes home. He does everything he said he was going to do. I'm going to confess my sin to God and my Father. I'm going to say I'm not worthy, which we're not. That's the humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he goes back and he gives himself to the Lord. It's faith, though, y'all. And, and same for us today. I want you to look at uh, one scripture real quickly. First, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2. 2 Thessalonians, in fact, could somebody just read that if you get there? 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. 
Okay. All don't have faith. That's the this right there. They could, and they're responsible for it. It's not like they were they were born with some God created them in some disadvantaged way. It's not what it's saying. He's simply saying, deliver us from unreasonable men, because all men don't have faith. They just don't. God holds us responsible for our faith or unbelief, our faith or lack thereof. That's all we're saying there. Uh, it says, for we, let's keep reading. Uh, so the gospel didn't profit them, in verse 3, because of unbelief. For we which have believed do enter into rest. And this is just that restful place, okay? Restful place. We which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Jesus did everything that needed to be done. The, the works were, were laid out there. Canaan, Canaan y'all, the promised land called Canaan, okay, was intended to be, was intended to be a physical, like a type of heaven. It wasn't heaven. They still had to get saved by faith, okay, to, to make it to heaven, have a right relationship with God, have their sins dealt with. But it was a picture, a physical, earthly picture. They literally came out of slavery. They literally wandered through the desert. There was a literal Jordan River. They crossed over. They had some enemies to chase out, but it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And they would let, they would eat from vineyards that they didn't even have to plant and drink from, you know, enjoy the fruit of the land that they didn't even have to labor for. And God intended to give them that rest. It's a picture of heaven. Now, they failed to enter in because of unbelief. And an apostate, which we're talking a lot about in the book of Hebrews, fails to enter into God's eternal rest because of unbelief. An apostate is somebody that came to the Lord genuinely and then fell away. We're not talking about backsliding. We're not talking about a horrible sin. They fell away from the faith and they failed to enter in because of unbelief. Now, the, the rest that he's talking about there, we that have believed do enter into rest. It, it's a present rest that we have, Okay. It's a pleasant, a present rest that you have. Now let me ask you this: When, when we were, uh, come, when Jesus says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden," just picture that for a second. Everybody works, so he's not just talking about physical work. It's good that a man works. That's not a curse. Work itself is not a curse. Okay, uh, but so he's talking about more than that. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's what he's talking about here. It's a present rest that you can have now when you give your life to Jesus and the weight of sin. It's an incredible weight. And I think a lot of people, we don't understand it until maybe we're free from it. You know what I mean? It's like when he lifts the weight of sin. It is a burden. We're laboring under sin and don't even realize it. People around the planet in different religions are laboring with some kind of consciousness of sin and they're trying to pay God back through the good works of their religion or giving money to the poor or, you know what I mean, trying to make the scales balance out. i gotta, I got to tip the scales. I know I'm bad. They've done bad things. I stole $100. I need to give more than $100 to other people. And however, people are laboring. And Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I will give you 
rest. So there's a present rest that God gives us, and y'all, it's a result of sin being for our sin personally, our sin being forgiven, and us being aware of it, and us rejoicing in that, and thanking God that the weight of that has been lifted, the shame of that, the, it, the consequences, the power of sin, all of that, we're free from that. And that we're not children of wrath anymore. We were by nature the children of wrath. The whole world lies in the embrace of the wicked one. That's the devil. We don't anymore. I'm not in the devil's embrace. I'm in the hands of Jesus. He says nothing, no one can pluck us from the Father's mm -hmm. hands. So there's a rest that comes um, that we have now. And there's a Sabbath rest that's coming that he's still provoking us to strive towards. Okay? That we There's a lot we enjoy right now. And a present rest in knowing our sins are forgiven and his penalty. Uh, a present rest in just serving God with joy rather than out of some type of compulsion that it's going to earn us our salvation and so forth. It's a joy. And so, uh, we which believe do enter into that rest as God has promised. Although the works were finished, he says, from, the, from uh, God finished from the foundation of the world. God's finished and prepared all that needs to be done, and we just have to believe. Now let's keep going in verse 4. For he spake in a certain place of a seventh day, of the seventh day, on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Now, the rest here is that same one. It's not a rest. It's the one in, that you read about, and in, 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 we don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, if you're taking notes. All right, chapter 1 talks about the seven days of creation. And when God finished, he looked at all that he had made, and he says, it's good. Another scripture says, behold, it's very good. It wasn't evolving to become good. It was good. Good. Already. All right? And then it says, and God rested from his work on the seventh day. The rest was not due to fatigue. Like when we have to take a break, it's 95 degrees, and we're out there building up workshop in the back of our house or our deck or whatever and we just man that's that's it for today man i'm done you know and uh our brain is fried and everything else we have to stop i know clarissa and jenny were doing their floors i've done that tile work on floors and it's hard and they finished today hallelujah but uh it's a it's not when god rested it wasn't because of fatigue it was because of completion and satisfaction in other words, there's nothing to add to it. He was satisfied. And he's satisfied in his son, Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus said, it's finished. He gave up the ghost and he died. He died sooner than the, maybe the thieves on his left and right. You understand what I mean? Why? Because he was done. He was finished yeah. with it. It wasn't because of fatigue. It was, he was, it was a satisfaction that it was completed. And we'll keep reading. Let's read 5 through 10. We'll read all that together. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Speaking of Israel, he, he, what he's saying here is there's future rest, okay? Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, or in the Psalms, Psalm 95, verse 11. Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, 
harden not your hearts. It's just amazing that the author three times in the last chapter and one time in the next chapter quotes Psalm 95:11. It must be important. Today, while it's called today, hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. Don't harden your voice, your hearts as in the day of provocation when your fathers tempted the Lord in the wilderness. So he swear in his wrath they would not enter in because of their unbelief. It's serious to God. Unbelief is serious to God because he's such a good God and so faithful. We have no reason to doubt him. It's not just, oh, well, if you'd give me another miracle, I would believe. It's not the truth. That's an evil heart of unbelief. He has done for us already. He has proved himself. The prophecies have been fulfilled. If we just had the Bible and the prophecies fulfilled, literally fulfilled by Jesus Christ, for example, in his first coming, he is faithful. He is saying, you can put your trust in me. And, and you know, it was an evil and adulterous generation, Jesus said, that seeks after a son. By the time that these uh, people, these Jews were speaking to him, Lord, show us a sign and we'll believe. Speaking that to Jesus. He had already done countless miracles. He had done countless miracles in their sight. I love it when in, in John 11, when Jesus said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He which was dead and bound came forth. He said, loose him and let him go. The Pharisees were standing right there watching that. Maybe as close as we are in this room to the tomb. And it says immediately they took counsel how they might destroy him. It's just, it just blows my mind. You know, it's not another sign that they needed. It's an evil heart of unbelief. It's a choice. That, that do we rebel? I don't, you know, they say, what do you want to do with Jesus? Crucify him. We don't want this man to rule over us. We have no king but Caesar. You know, they're long-awaited Messiah. That's an evil heart of unbelief because he fulfilled every prophecy and showed himself openly. He didn't do it in the corner of a room. He said, everything I preach has been out from the roof, you know, publicly. Uh, the miracles, this wasn't done in the corner. This is out there. And, and they should have believed. And we should believe. Amen? That's what he's saying. We should believe. Um, all right, let's keep reading. Verse 8. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. This is that Sabbath rest we talked about. Just so it's clear. I mean, we just understand that it's, it's important to know this when we're studying the Bible. The rest, the rest, the rest, pretty much is talking about the rest that we have, peace in our souls. We can sleep well at night. Our sins are forgiven. We know God's watching over us and our children. And it's, it's uh, you know, Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the boat when a storm's going on. It's Peter having, uh, I mean, Paul having peace in his heart on that ship going to uh, Rome, remember? when And everybody else was throwing everything overboard and fasting and we're going to die. And he had peace. That's the, it comes to the heart of believers. Basically, that's the first rest. But it also promises there's a future rest. He says it. There, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. There is a rest still that's for us that we have not entered into. And that's that Sabbath rest. That's that completion, satisfied. We'll get our new bodies one day. We'll be saved never to sin anymore. We won't face temptations anymore. All the tears will be wiped away. All that is still in our future. You know, it's not, every day is not necessarily restful. 
And then on top of just the cares and the troubles and the turmoils of life that every human being has, Christians have an additional trial and tribulation, right? We talked about it. Jesus said, I've given them my word and the world has hated them. The world hates them because they're not of the world. If they were of the world, the world would love its own. So we have an additional persecution. But in the midst of that, we still have a rest they don't have. And then on top of that, there's a promised rest coming that those in Hebrews 11 have entered into. You see what I'm saying? They're, they've entered into. They haven't received their glorified bodies and all yet, but still. That's all the point here is that there is a future rest that still remains for the people of God. Okay? So just differenti differentiating those two rests. And let's look, uh, we'll, we'll cover a little bit more in verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. And, and it kind of almost seems uh, like it doesn't make sense. Why would you work to rest? But that's really what he's saying. Let's labor that we might enter into that rest. We're not to that rest yet. Therefore, there's some work to be done between here and there. I don't work to save myself. I don't work to keep myself saved. But there is work between here and there that God has laid out for me. And every day, the Bible says we're kept by the power of God through faith. Mm -hmm. Right? We studied that verse in one of the earlier on our Wednesday nights. We don't keep ourselves. We don't pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We don't say, you just grin and bear it. You just make do. You're weak. You're not making it. It's not like that. It's, there is an answer to that. We're kept by the power of God through faith. Then the provocation for us is always keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Keep your faith in the Lord. I don't care what you see in the natural. I don't care if you turn on Fox News tonight and what we see. I don't care what ISIS is doing in that sense. I care, but it's not going to ultimately affect me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. They got their eyes off of the Lord. It was great when everything was going great. It was great when Pharaoh drowned the armies, Pharaoh and his armies were drowned, and they got on the other side and says, Miriam's playing her tambourine, and they're all singing this song, He has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And they sing this song, and the whole congregation, every one of them is singing that song. It's as soon as they get to a place, and they're, oh, there's no water here. Now what are you going to do? There's no water here. We're in a desert. Our cattle are thirsty. Our children are thirsty. We're thirsty. We're going to die. That's where we have to keep on, like Moses, like Joshua, like Caleb. These men were perfect. What did they do? They kept their eyes on the Lord. Moses goes before God. we got a problem here. Lord, what do I do? God gives the answer. And so, um, the, the, let us therefore labor to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Again, this is not using the word apostasy, but that's what these are. Every time you read in Hebrews, and it's talking about a falling away, because specifically because of unbelief, that is apostasy. That is where somebody failed to enter into heaven. If there's a person that failed to... The, the, the Hebrews died in the wilderness, their carcasses fell in the wilderness 40 years they circled round and round, one by one they died off. Finally, there's none left. But that younger generation that was born, they had children out there. And Joshua and Caleb were from the older generation. The only two men, period. 
It's an amazing thing. God was able to preserve them for 40 years. They lived. Caleb said, I'm as strong as I was the day, you know, uh, that we came out and I can take the land and I can take the giants and so forth. But they did, they, they fell away. They fell away. They failed to enter into that Sabbath, their, their kind of physical Sabbath rest, all right? And so all we're, all we're seeing here is that there can be a failure and it's not because, uh, you know, Randy went and cursed today. I shouldn't do that. It brings shame to the Lord, okay? And it's a sin. Or that Randy uh, lost his temper today. Or that Randy, Randy was too lazy to read his Bible and pray today. Those things are sin. That sin, then this Christian can still say, I've sinned, Lord. Forgive me. Still in the faith, right? Yeah. Or as opposed to someone that's, that says, God is not good. I don't believe in him anymore. The gods of Egypt be our, be your gods. They make golden calves and worship them. And I forgot how many died at that little moment. And it was in the thousands, right? 20,000 or something. Those are moments not just of sin. Those are moments of, of turning from the faith. We want the gods of Egypt. We don't just want the food. And we're not just going to complain a little bit. Now it's all about God. He's unfaithful. He's unkind. He is not God. He can't bring us in. He's an evil God. He wanted to uh, get us out here for the purpose of killing us and our children in the wilderness. Moses is scratching his head and saying, what in the world are you talking about? If he wanted to kill you, why would he brought you out of Egypt? Why would he done all those miracles and signs before Pharaoh? Why would he have done that? And part of the Red Sea and fed you with manna from heaven. <clears throat> and had water come out of a rock. Why would he have done that if he wanted to kill you in the wilderness? See, they were turning from the faith in God. Yeah, there's a lot of sins that might go along with that. But that's what we're being encouraged not to do. Okay? That's what we're being encouraged not to do. I really don't want to... I want to read the next part, but I don't want to start the next part because it's like a whole lesson. We all know this passage. Let's just read it together. We're going to read 12 through the end of the chapter. You'll know what we're talking about next week. And you can, uh, you know, you can study it and read ahead and look at it. It might, might have been a little uh, shorter tonight, but I just don't want to jump into this and cut it off. So verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed to the heavens, <coughs> Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that's all tied in back to verse 11. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall, fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God. And begins to describe the word of God. Aren't we told over and over you know, uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and so forth. And and uh, when when Daniel 
in the Old Testament, y'all, when Daniel was in Babylon, and he outlived several of the kings, he outlived the overturning of the, the empire from the Babylonians to the Persians, and uh, I forget which king it was under, but he was having his visions from the Lord of the future things and the end times things, and he was praying, and he had fasted, I think 21 days or something like that, and prayed and seeking an answer from God. And the angel, uh, Michael, the archangel, I mean, Gabriel came and spoke to him. Gabriel came and spoke to him. And it says, when he spoke the word of God to me, I was strengthened. And I preached on that, maybe the last last time I preached at FNT was, was on that. When, the, when, the, when he spoke the word to me, I was strengthened. And God's word strengthens us. We don't have to die in unbelief. We don't have to live in unbelief. We don't have to doubt. He has an answer for us by his word. And the Holy Ghost of Almighty God, the third person of the Trinity, taking that same written word and making it alive in our hearts and in our minds. And he always has the right word for the right moment. He always has the right word for the right season. Sometimes we have to dig for it. Sometimes we have to turn the TV off when this is normally the one little, you know, hour and a half I watch TV. I'm burnt out from the day or whatever. I've prayed, I've read my Bible. But there's times God would have us to even go beyond that. And, and you know what I mean? Like to, to take time to turn aside and go before the Lord. And I guess the more, more uh, dire the situation and the more we need to hear from God, then that kind of speaks for itself. That's the times we need to go to the Lord. Don't despise it. Don't hate it. Say, okay, I'll do it, God. Just go and, and maybe open up the Psalms. Maybe open up the Proverbs. Maybe open up the Gospels. And you start reading. And, and the Lord gives you some nugget, some treasure for your life that you needed right there from His Word that you and I would not have had otherwise. But he had an answer there for us, but sometimes we don't go to it. And so it's his word and his spirit and his goodness to us that he reveals to us through his word that keeps us from falling. We're kept by God, by the power of God, through faith. Just think about that. We're kept by the power of God. He keeps us. It's his power that keeps us. My only responsibility in the whole thing, just like in salvation is to believe. Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth in him shall have eternal life. It's faith in God. So I just want to close with that. And we'll pick up on, starting in verse 12 next week, and get through the end of chapter 4. But uh, let's take a little time at the altar. Let's take a little time and pray. Ask God to take his word and, and knit it to your heart. Maybe you're in a season in life right now where everything's going great. I know for a fact for all of us uh, that we've got some, some serious heartaches still and some that God's helping us day by day. There's a lot of people we love and there's a lot of people we care about that we're still greatly concerned about and we're asking the questions why and, and, and all kinds of things like that. God will comfort us. God will strengthen us. <coughs> And uh, let's just take some time to pray. And as God leads you to go pray over somebody, I know we're cramped quarters, but it is what it is. But God still, who He is as well. 
So, Father, we just come before you tonight, God. I know we hear the scripture almost every week, but your word says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We're not tired of hearing it. We're not tired of talking about it. And we're certainly not tired of you, God. We pray that you would forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Forgive us, God, for the way we're drawn away from you and the world can consume us for periods of time where our thoughts can be distracted. And instead of setting our hearts and minds and fixing them upon Jesus, we're fixed upon a problem. We're fixed upon a hurt. We're fixed upon confusion. We're fixed upon why doesn't so-and-so see it? Why don't they get it? How could they have done this? And we're fixed upon worldly things, God. And that there's never going to be a peace in our hearts as a result of that. The heart, Our hearts have to be, my heart has to be fixed on Jesus. My heart has to be fixed on thus saith the Lord. What saith the scriptures? And God, I pray you'd help us. Next week or this Sunday, we'll have to remind ourselves of it again. But Lord, tonight, today while it's called today, not tomorrow, today, God, we want to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. We don't want our hearts to be hard through unbelief or the deceitfulness of sin. Sin that's even crept in unawares, a callousness, a prayerlessness, a hardness in our heart, God, a bitterness towards people. Or maybe, maybe we're mad at you because of the way something turned out. God, forgive us, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your kindness and goodness. And we remember your blessings, Lord. We remember that your mercies are fresh and new each morning. We remember your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto us, God. Help us tonight, God, to call upon you. Help us not to leave the way we came tonight. When we go home, let us have more joy, more joy in our hearts, more faith in our hearts and minds, God. In Jesus' name.